Welcome to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast, where you can listen to everything related to the game of golf. Golf tips to help you improve your golf game, entertaining interviews, discussions about the latest in golf equipment, and so much more. Now, here is your host, PGA professional, Steve Goforth. Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of Go Forth and Golf, episode number 12 coming at you. Next month will be a one-year anniversary of Go Forth and Golf podcast. Hard to believe it's already been a year already. I'm super excited about that. Thank you so very much for your support this entire year so far. Cannot thank you enough for taking the time to push that play button no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Tell those that you know, go up to somebody, somebody you know that may enjoy this podcast and tell them about it. Could be one person, could be a group of people, could be your foursome, could be your huge Saturday or Sunday morning group, whoever it is, spread the word about this podcast. The more listeners we can get, the bigger we can grow our community and the more golfers that that I can help. So please go tell people that you know about the podcast. It's tremendously appreciated. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to find the best golf ball to fit your game. That's a question I get a lot. Which golf ball should I be playing, Steve? Should I be playing a two-piece ball? Should I be playing a three-piece ball? Should I be playing Titleist? Should I be playing Callaway? What golf ball is best for me? I'm going to answer a lot of those questions for you. I'm going to dive into a lot of detail about what it takes and what you should be doing, the steps you should be taking to find the best golf ball for your game. I'll also talk about the differences between forged irons and cast irons. What is a forged iron? What is a cast iron? How are they made? How is it going to benefit your game? Which one should you play with? I'm going to answer those questions for you. And in the interview segment of the podcast, I have a wonderful guest, Julian Taylor. He is a Titleist representative for many, many years. He is a wonderful guy. Goes into a lot of details about what Titleist is doing this year, their golf balls in 2021, their newest drivers, and so much more. You're going to be really entertained by this interview with Julian. You don't want to miss it. Thank you to all those that have come up to me and told me how much you're enjoying this podcast. I can't thank you enough. I'm glad that this podcast is helping you and it's improving your golf game. It's making you more knowledgeable about all those things in the world of golf. So thank you to all those who've come up to me. If you're listening to this, you see me, don't hesitate to walk up to me. Give me some ideas. Give me some feedback about what you're thinking on this podcast and what you'd like to hear me talk about. It's because of you that I'm doing this. So if I hear from a lot of you and you give me ideas, that could be an idea that could help somebody else. So please feel free to come up to me and talk to me about the podcast. I welcome it greatly. I encourage all of you, go to my website. It's goforthgolfinstruction.com. Again, goforthgolfinstruction.com. There you can read my teaching philosophy, read some student feedback, Contact me about golf lessons. I'm still doing my winter special. I'm going to be running that special through the end of February. It's five 30-minute lessons for only $120. If you purchase it before the end of February, you can get that deal, and then you have until the 1st of May to get those lessons in. So let's work on your golf game during these winter months so that when spring rolls around, you can be the low person in your foursome. And come see us at Willow Creek Golf Club. We're super excited about 2021. Golf course is in great shape. We've got a lot of great things we're going to be doing here soon to the golf course. Cannot wait to see all of you out there. Visit our website. It's willow-creekgolf.com. Again, that's willow and then a dash or a hyphen, creekgolf.com. You can go in there and book a tee time. 
learn more about our golf course if you don't know already. We would love to see you out there. So without further ado, let's jump right into episode number 12. Let's tee it up. Oh, he got all of that one. Which golf ball should you be playing for your game? That is a very important question. This is something that I hear from a lot of golfers. Not quite sure which one they should go with. And quite frankly, there are a lot of options out there. And it can be very, very confusing as to which one is best for your game. And considering that, I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a segment on the podcast to kind of further explain how a golf ball is constructed, the characteristics of a golf ball, all these things that will help you figure out which one is best for your game. And I'm going to preface this segment with the fact that I'm going to be very detailed and thorough with this because the golf ball is the most important piece of equipment in your golf bag. And a lot of you may not understand that or realize that, a lot of people think it's wedges, the putter, the driver, or maybe even the irons. But the golf ball is the piece of equipment that you use on every single golf shot. So wouldn't it be important that you get the right one for your game so that you can be more consistent and also lower those scores? You could be playing with a golf ball right now that is not good for you and it's hindering you from lowering your handicap. So that's why I wanted to do this segment, cut down on some confusion, answer those questions for you, and put that golf ball in your hand. It's going to make you a better golfer. So here we go. Get ready to take some notes. Well, we're waiting. I'm going to break this process down into five steps, five easy steps. And it's really important that you follow these steps precisely in order to help you determine that magical golf ball that's best for your golf game. And I'm going to start with step one, and I feel is really important. And that is understanding the construction of the golf ball and the various ways that the golf ball is made. And I'm going to explain these constructions and what it's going to do for you while you're out there playing on the golf course. And then I'm also going to give you examples of golf balls that you could look into if you feel that that particular construction is best for you. Ultimately, and I'm going to talk about this later, you want to go out and test these, whether it's a ball fitting, whether it's taking them to the golf course. That's what's important here. Well, let's start with step one, understanding the construction. Let's start with the core of the golf ball. It's important to understand that the core is the engine of the golf ball, simply put. It's really important. It's probably the most important part of the golf ball. Now, a good golf company, they're going to put a lot of R&D into the core because they understand that it's the engine, just like the shaft's the engine of a golf club. And they can design that core so that it retains most of its energy. And typically, that's the whole goal of designing that core, stability and retention of energy. And of course, this is going to produce consistency, distance, those two things that are really, really important to a lot of golf games. Outside of the core, we start adding layers. We start adding pieces around that. I'm going to start with the two-piece ball. And the two-piece ball is typically your distance golf ball. It consists of that solid rubber core, and then it's got this firm outer layer around it. And these golf balls, they're designed to fly straighter, and they're going to spin less than a multi-layered golf ball. Bottom line, they're designed to give you more distance. So if that's something you're struggling with, if you need more distance out on the golf course, you need to focus on a two-piece golf ball. That simplicity that's behind the design of this golf ball is absolutely perfect for the golfers new to the sport and those with higher handicaps. 
economically, standard two-piece balls also tend to be a lot more affordable. Let me give you some examples of a two-piece ball. Callaway Super Soft, a Top Flight XL, Titleist Velocity, or maybe a Shrixon Softfield. So those are examples of a two-piece ball. So again, if distance is something you're looking for, two-piece is your way to go. The next layer on top of that is going to be a three-piece golf ball. Now, a three-piece ball is that middle-of-the-road golf ball. They offer the same benefits as a two-piece, that distance we were talking about, but they also have a higher spin rate off the tee. Even though they feature a, a lower caliber construction than a four-piece or a five-piece golf ball, that three-piece ball is still an optimal choice for that above-average player with moderate swing speeds. It's also ideal for distance, uh, controllability, consistency, and these balls are going to stand up to the pressures of a long day out there on the golf course and those hard strikes. Let me give you some examples of a three-piece golf ball. You have the Callaway ERC or Callaway Super Hot, the Bridgestone B-Series, pretty much all the B-Series golf balls for Bridgestone, the E6, the E12, also the Titleist AVX, Pro V1, and then the Shrixon Z-Star or Q-Star. You notice I didn't mention Pro V1X. I'm going to get into that here in just a little bit. So Pro V1 is more of a three-piece ball. Pro V1X will not be. Now let's move into the multi-layered golf balls, the four or five-piece golf ball. Now these golf balls have a dual-core design and are generally played by your lower handicap golfers and golfers who like to generate a good bit of clubhead speed. Now that multi-layered ball is... Very impressive because all of the layers, they work together to produce a softer feel that also travels the longest distance possible. If you break open a four-piece ball, you'll see an extra layer that's going to be around the core that isn't normally there. This added layer is also called that middle cover. Let me give you a good example. Callaway introduced their Chrome Softball a couple of seasons ago, and around that golf ball... They have what they call graphene technology. And what's really cool about the graphene technology, it's a really thin layer that's extremely light. It's a metal, so to speak. It's like the lightest weight metal on the planet. If you lay a whole sheet of this graphene out over a football field, it weighs about the same amount of a quarter. It's amazing. But when you put this graphene technology around the core, it just stabilizes that core. And so that energy is sustained around that core more so, therefore producing consistency in terms of distance and ball speeds are crazy. So that's just a, an example of that extra layer that's around that core. This is also going to help create more distance with the driver. And these golf balls also have a urethane cover or layer that's going to give the ball that extra soft feel. It's going to make it feel really good with the wedges and the putter. Examples of this would be your Pro V1X, the Chrome Soft that I mentioned earlier, and Chrome Soft X, your Strixon Z-Star, or the Strixon Z-Star XV. The only five-piece construction or the noteworthy five-piece construction out there is going to be your TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X. They've added that extra layer in there just to help produce even more feel, even more distance, even more consistency. So I'd encourage you to go on their website and check them out. I'm actually going to have TaylorMade as a guest on the show in a future episode. And they're going to talk more about that technology to help you better understand that. 
So that is a summary of the construction of the golf ball. You start with the core, you go two-piece, three-piece, four-piece, and maybe even five-piece. And that's what those layers are doing for you, starting with the core and how it's going to benefit your golf game. Let's go into step two. Step two in determining the best golf ball for your game is to assess your strengths and your weaknesses in your game and your budget to help you come up with your best choice here. Let's start with higher handicap players. These are going to be players with 20 plus handicaps. You may want to focus on a ball that's going to advertise straighter shots and forgiveness on miss hits. That's your main priority here. We want to go straighter and we want to have more forgiveness. Also, distance will be an area of focus for you as well. As you're developing your game, distance will be a struggle until you learn to consistently hit the ball off the center of the club face. So you're getting that 100% energy transfer. If you're hitting a hammer to a nail, if you're not hitting that hammer to the nail flush, you're not going to get 100% energy transfer. So it's going to take you longer to send that nail into whatever it is you're putting it into. Same thing with a golf club striking a golf ball. If it's not struck in the center, you will not get as much energy coming off that face. So you want to look for a golf ball that advertises accuracy and distance if you're a higher handicap player. Mid-handicap players, and that's going to be between 10 and 20 on your handicap, ideally two or three-piece balls will be best suited for you. You're kind of on that borderline there. Two-piece if you're looking for that distance, three-piece if you want a little bit more feel in there. There are three areas you want to focus on when you're choosing the best golf ball for your game. Again, your mid-handicap player. A little bit of spin around the greens is always great. Uh, a ball that has respectable forgiveness. And then a golf ball that will give you a good distance with your woods and your irons. Distance is important for you, but you don't want to sacrifice the other two factors that I mentioned of greenside spin and forgiveness if you're a mid-handicap golfer. Forgiveness isn't as important to a mid-handicap player as it is with a high-handicap player, but it's still a key factor if you want to improve your game and lower your handicap. In my opinion, greenside spin or spin in general is the most important for a mid-handicap player. You don't want too much with the driver because less spin with the driver produces more fairway hits and more distance. Last thing you want is for a golf ball to spin too much with your driver. However, you want higher spin with the approach shots into the green or wedges into the green to help you get the ball to stop on the green, which will increase greens in regulation. And hopefully that's going to lead to fewer putts and lower scores for you. So that is a description for mid-handicap players. Low handicap players, you're going to be 10 or under on your handicap. And it's really important for a low handicap golfer to find the golf ball that will give them the right spin level off of the tee. Generally, you want to be low spin if you're a low handicap. Yet you want to find a golf ball that's going to provide you with low control with your scoring irons. And for a really good player or a low handicap player, it's all about those scoring irons. Hitting more greens, getting it closer to the hole, making more birdies. Honestly, the two most important factors for a low handicap player is going to be your spin rate and the feel. Feel is huge. If you're a low handicap person, you're listening to this, how many times have you hit a golf ball and you're like, ugh, I just don't like the way this thing feels. Feel is everything to a good player. If the ball produces too much spin for a good player, it could cause tremendous inconsistencies with direction and with distance. If the golf ball feels terrible, 
it will not help you at all when it comes to confidence and the comfortability factor. And that's huge with every golfer, really. And more so with the lower handicapper, it's confidence, maintaining that confidence and being comfortable with the shots that you're hitting. Confidence and comfortability are two factors that are very important to a low handicap player. Low handicappers, you want to focus on that multi-layer golf ball. Those multi-layer golf balls are designed to interact with each other a lot more for that optimal distance, the optimal spin, and that feel that I was talking about. Each layer is going to be activated based on how fast you're swinging, which depends really on which club you're using. This is what's going to allow you to get the minimal spin and the maximum distance with your longer clubs, along with maximum spin and incredible control around the greens. Again, going back to what I mentioned earlier, a lower handicap is all about trying to hit that ball closer to the pin in order to make more birdies and feel and spin is really, really important. So that's a summary of all three handicap levels, high, mid, low, what you should be looking for in a golf ball based on your level of play. Let's go into step three. Step three, you want to study different golf ball types, really put that research in, and you want to test or go through a ball fitting. That's really important. It's a really cool process. To help you determine which ball you should choose, it really does help you to go test them on the golf course. This also gives you a chance to understand and pinpoint your game strengths and your weaknesses with that particular golf ball that you're testing. I really recommend taking three or four sleeves of different golf balls to the course and then do that side-by-side -side testing to give you that credible feedback on how each golf ball is going to perform. If three or four sleeves is too many to analyze, it's too analytical for you, then just narrow it down maybe two different sleeves. The key is to hit multiple shots from the same spot using the different golf balls. Obviously, it's best to do this during a less busy time on the golf course. It's best to do this on your home course or maybe even a course that you're familiar with where you know your distances very well and you understand how the ball will react when it hits the fairway or green. Maybe you're the last tee time out for the day and that's your whole purpose is to go out there, play as many holes as you can get in before the carts have to be in and just testing as many golf balls as you can or as you're comfortable with from various lies and distances. I highly recommend, let me express that again, I highly recommend you put most of your emphasis on approach shots and short game shots. On chip shots and pitch shots, pay attention to how the ball feels coming off the face. How much is it spinning? How much is it releasing to the hole? And when you analyze your approach shots, pay close attention to the trajectory of the shot. How much it spins when it lands on the green and how much the ball releases when it hits the green. I think too much emphasis gets put on how far the ball went with the driver. Drivers are so adjustable now. You can do so many things with drivers that will enable you to set it up to get more benefits from the golf ball. For example, you can tweak the loft. You can create higher and lower trajectories with more or less spin. And you can also adjust it to be more forgiving on mishits so you can get maximum ball speeds by manipulating the weight around the perimeter of the head on particular drivers. So don't put all your emphasis on the driver. Put it on those approach shots, your short game, because that's the most important part of your golf game as far as I'm concerned. Let's go into step four. Step four is you want to pick a golf ball type that fits your game. Now the key to this is to assess your overall game and determine 
your strengths and weaknesses before you make that final choice on your game ball. For example, if you find that you're 10 to 15 yards short on your driver length or you're short reaching the green, especially off par threes, off the tee box, you may want to focus on a golf ball that's going to promote additional distance for you. If you find that it's hard for you to hold greens, you may want to find a golf ball that's designed for more spin so the ball will hit the green and stop sooner. Let me make the point that personal preference plays a huge role. If you like to bump and run the ball around the greens, or do you want to bring it in higher with more spin? Do you like to hit a variety of shot styles on the course, fading it, drawing it? Uh, Do you prefer a firm feel off the face of the club, or do you prefer a soft feel? You want to find the ball that's going to play to your strengths and improve your weaknesses. Make sure you also evaluate and understand your game on the putting green as well. Just as important as a 250-yard drive or a 150-yard shot into the green from the fairway, making that putt from 3 to 5 feet or maybe even 10 feet is also equally important. Being confident on how a ball rolls on the green and how it feels coming off your putter face can make a gigantic difference in putts made or putts missed. So again, you want to assess your overall game and determine your strengths and weaknesses, and then personal preference plays a huge role with step four. Let's jump into the final step, step number five. Step five is very simple. Just make your final decision and go play. Stick with a certain golf ball, okay? That's really important. It's okay to change manufacturers, but if you go with a premium, stick with a premium, meaning that uh, four or five piece. The more consistent you stay with your golf ball, the more confidence you're going to have, and you'll be way more comfortable over the golf shot. If you're always changing out your golf ball, you're constantly having to adjust your swing or your approach to the game. And as I talked about earlier, confidence and consistency is what we all desire. The more refined your golf ball decision is, the better off you're going to be. Don't go flip-flopping. Don't go finding a ball in the woods and say, oh, this looks brand new. Let me play that. That could be a two-piece ball, and you're more prone to play the four-piece ball, or four-piece ball is more important for you. I see this all the time. Golfers just play whatever, and and then they complain about not being able to get the ball to hold as well or not getting the distance that they want. That's because they're flip-flopping on golf balls. Once you determine which one's best for you, that two-piece construction, three-piece construction, four- or five-piece golf ball, once you figure out what that is and the manufacturer Stick with it. Stick with it. Not telling you not to experiment with other golf balls that fit those same characteristics. I get it. There's sometimes you know you're intrigued by a Titleist Pro V1, and you're also curious to know what a, a Callaway Chrome Soft is going to do. It's okay with that, but at least they're the same demographic, and they're going to be what you've determined is the best golf ball for you. I wish you all the best in your golf ball search and have fun with the process. It's really cool to go and research all the different golf balls and and what every manufacturer is doing in in terms of making their golf ball. The more fun you have, the more relaxed you're going to be, and you'll have a better chance to make the best decision for you. Again, make it a fun process. That's what this game is all about, to be fun. And you never know, you're going to learn something new and hopefully lower your handicap and, and and play the best round of your life. Put in the work though, all right? Don't just halfway do it, put in the work. If you do that, you can't go wrong with your decision and you'll know that you've put in the work you need to find out what's best for you. It's kind of like test driving a car. 
When you go and decide you're going to get a new car, you're going to test drive different manufacturers with different designs and different capabilities. And at the end of the day, whenever you make your purchase, you're confident when you're riding that car around town that that was the one for you. And I want to make sure you're comfortable with whatever golf ball you go with. And when you're riding around that golf course with, that is the best one for you. It's well worth the effort, I can promise you. Good luck, have fun, and go out and choose that golf ball for your game. Good shot. It's about time. It is about time. I mean, I just couldn't get the ball in the hole. I wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. If you want to take control of your health and feel so much better, I encourage you to check out Pure on Main. They have two locations on Main Street in downtown Greenville, across from the Hyatt, and another location on Cannon Street in beautiful downtown Greer. Pure on Main provides you with essential services and products, allowing you to live a healthier, more fulfilling life. Pure on Main is one of the most exclusive and unique health and wellness centers in the upstate. They've been nominated as one of Greenville's best wellness centers for five consecutive years. Betsy and her staff provide services such as colon hydrotherapy, massage therapy, ionic foot detox, and wellness consulting. They also have a store filled with beneficial items for your body and soul. Pure on Main is dedicated to helping and serving their community. Please give them a call and let them recommend the best products to help keep you and your family safe during these challenging times. I get all of my wellness supplements from them and I feel amazing. Visit their website at pureonmain.com. Again, that's pureonmain.com where you can also purchase their phenomenal products to be shipped to you for free. Yeah, you heard me right. Free right to your door. Or you can pick them up at their downtown Greenville or Greer locations. So what are you waiting for? Start living healthier and pure with the help of Pure on Maine. You won't regret it. I'm really excited to talk to you about the differences between cast irons and forged irons. Whenever I was putting together a list of topics for this podcast, when it first came to mind that I wanted to do this, this one was up there. I really wanted to talk about this and explain the fascinating ways that iron heads are constructed and also help you figure out which one is best suited for your golf game. So I'm going to talk about the advantages and the disadvantages to both forged and cast irons. And then from that information, hopefully you can decide which one you want to go with and which one is best suited for your golf game or your golf swing. I think you'll be really fascinated to hear all the things that go into the construction of these iron heads. So, let's get ready to take some notes. Let me dive into forged irons first. So, forged irons are actually made from a single piece of steel. It's really neat. They take the steel and they heat it up really hot. And then the club head is stamped into shape using a large pressing machine. So these machines have a design of the club head molded into them so that when it presses into this heated metal, it presents this beautifully shaped club head. And when they do this process, forged irons have more weight in the center of the club head when you compare it against a cavity back iron. Typically, a better player will choose forged irons because they consistently strike the ball towards the center of the club face and they have the ability to enjoy that pure feeling of hitting the ball in the sweet spot. Usually, a good player likes the challenge of hitting a forged iron because the demand for hitting the ball off the center of the club head to take advantage of the forged technology makes them a better player. I've had a lot of students that have specifically 
decided to play a forged iron because it's forcing them to hit the ball off the center of the club face more. So they are adapting their swing around that golf equipment. And then I've had some players that say, you know what? No, I'm going to wait and get my swing where I want it. And then I'm going to reward myself with forged irons because I know I'm hitting the ball off the center of the club face more consistently. Either way you go about it, it's not wrong. Either challenge yourself by forcing yourself to get your swing better and hitting it off the center of the club face or reward yourself with getting those clubs because you know you're hitting them off the center of the club face. Either way is fine. What I like about forged irons, the construction of a forged head, it just produces more consistent feel and performance than a cast iron does. I'm going to explain a little bit more about cast irons as we go on into this podcast. But the forged construction has come a long way. Many years ago, you could only get a forged iron and a blade-style head. Now, you're able to get a cavity back iron and forged as well. That forged, it just feels softer when you strike the ball. It has a wonderful feel when the ball comes off the center of the club face. Another advantage to the softness of the metal is they're easily manipulated as far as the loft and the lie adjustments. However, you need to be careful. You'll need to get your irons checked regularly to make sure the lofts and lies haven't moved, especially if you're playing a lot. Frequent play with forged irons may cause the lofts and the lies to bend on their own. So again, just make sure you get them checked, I would say at least twice a year, uh, maybe more. It just depends on how much you're playing golf. Back in the mid-90s when I worked for Slazenger Golf, we made cast irons back then. Wasn't a whole lot of forged golf clubs on the market. Forged irons were played by only about half of the tour players. Now we're seeing forged irons making up well over 80% of the field on the Pro Tour. So they've made a lot of tremendous advancements in the technology and how they build forged irons to make them more attractive for tour players to hit. A disadvantage to going with forged iron is the price. The process is far more detailed and labor-intensive, which causes the price of making them to be higher. Thus, the price is passed on to you guys as a consumer. So you're going to pay a pretty penny for forged irons, but it's worth it if you can really take advantage of the consistency that you'll get off the ball strike. And the feel is phenomenal. A lot of golfers are like, you know what, it is well worth the investment and the money spent on these forged irons. I love the way they feel coming off the face. So that's a summary of forged irons, how they're made, the benefits of them, the disadvantages to forged irons. you got to be more consistent in ball striking. The price is a little bit higher. So now let's jump into cast irons. Cast iron clubs are made literally how it sounds. They form a cast around a plastic mold and they pour the liquid metal into the cast. When I went out to Ping uh, several years ago, I got to tour their plan. I got to see this whole process of how they made iron heads using the casting process. And it was very, very fascinating. So how they did this was they created a plastic mold and the plastic mold was literally identical to what the club was going to look like, the iron head, what it was going to look like. Then take this plastic mold and they do a dipping process to form a cast around that mold. And they do this several times to form this thick cast around that. They then melt away that plastic that's inside that that cast is formed around. They pour the metal into that cast. They allow it to cool. Then they break away the cast. And voila, they have this beautiful cast iron club head. Again, tremendous 
process that they go through, very detail-oriented, but the process that they go through when making a cast iron that I just described to you makes it easier for companies to mass-produce, and this process allows for cavity-back irons to be invented as well. Now, cavity-back irons, as you know, can be manipulated in so many different ways. The thickness of the sole, the thickness of the top line, the deepness of that cavity back, the perimeter weighting that goes around the back of that head, club head, to allow for more forgiveness. And a lot of the creativity can go into the designs to make them more forgiving on toe or heel mishits. So they can take that weighting and distribute it to the toe of the club or the back of the heel. And so if you miss your shot on either area of the club face, you'll receive a lot more forgiveness on those mishits. That casting process leads to game improvement irons, of course, and game improvement irons fit a huge range of golfer abilities. This process is also far less expensive than forging, which leads to lower prices for you, the consumer. The big disadvantage, I think, to cast irons is they can create air pockets within the head. So if you're going to take and form a cast around that plastic molding of a club head, and you're gonna pour metal down into that cast, sometimes metal doesn't reach every area within that cast. And the areas that it doesn't reach are called air pockets. Sometimes those air pockets are very minuscule, sometimes they're, they're bigger. And if your golf ball hits one of those air pockets, you're going to see some inconsistencies with the way the ball comes off the face. Sometimes it could come off a little more dead. Sometimes it could come off there really hot. So you're going to have a lot of inconsistencies with your ball coming off that face with a cast iron. But let me explain that for a second. It really depends on the process that it goes through. Now, your big manufacturers like Ping that I mentioned earlier, Callaway, Tidelist, TaylorMade, Mizuno, all of those companies have a very refined and detailed casting process that will eliminate a lot of those air pockets. An example of that, Ping puts their club heads through a heat treating process, and then that heat treating process eliminates a lot of those air pockets that could be formed in there. Now, if you go with a lower budget iron set that is tremendously mass produced, you'll see a lot of that inconsistency in those. So it kind of goes back to you get what you pay for. There's a reason why something is made for far less and selling it to you for far less than a premium iron, a premium iron being your bigger manufacturers, because there's not as much detail, not as much labor going into the construction of that iron during that casting process. So casting has its advantages and it has its disadvantages, just like forged irons do. So to conclude, to make the best decision, whether you should go with a forged iron or whether you should go with a cast iron, it really depends on your playing ability and your budget. If you're in this for the long haul and you want to become a better golfer, forged irons would force you to create a more consistent swing, and cast cavity back irons would be your route if you feel more confident in the forgiveness that you're going to get out of that iron based on how they can take that weighting and distribute it around the perimeter of the head and the price. So the price is going to be a little bit cheaper for you. So you got to weigh both options, figure out which one is best for you. But bottom line, you definitely want to make sure you go out and you demo or you test all these different irons and see which one feels best to you, see which one performs well. I highly suggest you look for fitting days that take place in your area. At Willow Creek, we do some fitting days with different manufacturers. We'll have one in March with Callaway. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a future episode. But find a fitting center near you, find a 
fitting day that could be at a golf course, whatever the case may be, try the cast, try the forged, talk to a local expert as well, and figure out with them the best option for you. But at least hearing this description I've given you today will hopefully give you a better idea as to how that process goes when it comes to the construction of those irons and if it would be a good choice for you. Making an iron purchase is a very big deal. Don't cut corners. Do your research. Use this information that I've given you to help you find an iron that's going to lower your handicap, that's going to give you the best possible chance to play your very best, and most importantly, to help you enjoy the game more. Good luck to you. If you have any other questions, anything you want to ask me, you know how to reach me, email me, come see me at Willow Creek, or give me a call at the golf course. I'll be happy to assist you any way I can with helping you find out which iron is best for you, either forged or cast. Doing the bull dance, feeling the flow, working it, working it. My guest for this episode is Julian Taylor, Titleist sales representative. Julian has been with Titleist for over 30 years. Very impressive career with Titleist. So if anybody knows Titleist Golf, it is definitely Julian. It was a pleasure to have him on the podcast. We talked everything Titleist, from their golf balls, their newest drivers, to their tour presence, and where they're going to go in 2021 and beyond. I think you'll find this interview very fascinating, very entertaining, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking to him. So without further ado, let's jump right into that interview with Julian Taylor, Titleist representative. Julian, welcome to the podcast. I greatly appreciate your time today. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you, Steve. I hope you've had a good holidays. I did. I hope you did as well. Before we jump into the great things that Titleist is doing, let's talk a little bit about you. You've been with the company for a while now. You've had a long and successful career with Titleist. When did you start with the company and how much have you seen Titleist evolve since you've been with them? Oh, thanks, Steve. Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, I, you know, I played golf at Clemson and played a lot of amateur golf. And, and during that time, I got to know some of the different manufacturers and particularly the folks at Titleist. And uh, actually, when I got, got out of school, wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do and started getting on the phone and calling anybody I could to, you know, see what opportunities were out there. And Real, real fortunate that uh, I jumped on with Titleist right after school, which was 1984. Um, and it's been a great run. You know, I think the, the, uh, the biggest changes I've seen in Titleist is, you know, when I started with the company, we were primarily a golf ball company, um, sold some gloves, sold some putters, and, and we're just starting to dabble into clubs. And now today, you know, we're, uh, you know, feel like we're one of the industry leaders across the board in, in all product, product categories, whether it be uh, clubs, bags, balls, you know, Scotty Cameron putters, Bob Vokey wedges, all, you know, as a, as a golfer, it's pretty cool to have all these, all these at our access. Absolutely. I mean, Titleist has always had a strong brand. How do you feel that brand compares now to other golf companies that have emerged over this time and, and have really kind of had a, a stronger presence in the golf world. You know, Steve, I, I think it's a great time to be a golfer in that there's a lot of real strong companies out there. Uh, again, I think years ago, companies were good at one thing 
and, and you know, maybe they were good at a driver or they're good at making wedges or they're good at making certain, you know, specific products. But now you've got some super brands, you know, the, the Callaways, the TaylorMades, the Ping and Titleist. All of us, you know, there, there's a lot of good products out there and uh, a, lot of, a lot of tough choices for some golfers to make, I think. But I, I love where we are. Uh, again, a number of years ago, we kind of committed to, hey, everything we got to do has to line up and, and exceed our expectations that we expect with our golf balls. And that's when we started acquiring, you know, Scotty Cameron putters, for instance. We knew Scotty Cameron was a good putter company. But it's not going to be one we're going to, uh, it's going to be not going to be a volume leader, but it reflects well on the brand. And it's a leader on tour. It's a leader in the marketplace as far as quality and performance. Uh, and then add Bob Vokey wedges, the onslaught with the new metal woods over the past few years. So I feel real good about it. Let me tell you, I was really impressed to, to learn the amount of R&D that goes into producing a Titleist product. They have over 75 individuals on a team. And I'm going to list these people because I really think it's cool. You have chemists, you have physicists, mathematicians, computer scientists, engineers and technicians, as well as PGA professionals and turf management specialists. I mean, that is a very impressive group of people. What does this group do? How does this group come together? It's a very diverse group. How do they come together to analyze the product and to produce a product that fits the many different skill levels out there? Right, right. Well, it, uh, honestly, I, I, wish, uh, I wish every golfer could go tour the Titleist plant, uh, golf ball manufacturing and see the R&D department and see these individuals. Because um, what, what I always find is if I have a, um, a customer go in and take a tour of the plant, they walk away saying, I had no idea what went into making a golf ball. Right. And, and uh, now I understand why they're a little more expensive than most, you know, uh, than, than a lot of golf balls. Um, but it, it's amazing. Um, each year uh, or about every other year we go back, we have our, our annual sales meetings, but we go back to the factory about every other year. We'll either go to the Titleist the club factory or the ball factory. Uh, and that really gets us as sales representatives back into the right down on the ground down on the level with the with the r&d people and learning and as much as learning anything specifically we just learn that what goes into the golf ball and it gives us confidence in selling it but uh the the complicated process of making a golf ball and the the ever-changing market of golf balls in that you know golf balls and golf clubs evolve around each other if you think about you know you and i uh, you may not have i grew up with a balada golf ball and with rubber band windings in it and oh, wooden yeah. and, and wooden drivers well you think about those products that matched up the golf ball that matched up with those versus today graphite shafts titanium 48 inch drivers uh urethane covers uh, solid cores versus liquid cores. And so the products evolve around each other. And the trick, you know, probably is trying to stay one step ahead of it. Um, you know, uh, one of the, the big changes right now is you see on tour, uh, this Bryson DeChambeau and some of the things he's doing. Well, we're all going to react to that. You know, whether we're making, whether it's us or TaylorMade or Cobra or whomever, making products that fit what the golfer wants. So, uh, like I said, there's just so many things that go into, you know, getting a golf ball properly fit for, uh, a, like you said, a whole variety of golfers. 
Let's talk about the golf ball for a minute. The 2021 line of golf balls are getting ready to, to debut. Starting with the DT Truefield, explain the characteristics for the listeners of these golf balls to help them determine which golf ball may be best for them. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give a, just a quick snapshot overview of them. And then, you know, I think we're going to talk about some custom fitting and, and getting fit for golf balls, which I think is a, a critical part of the selection process. But uh, first off, with the DT uh, Truth, True Feel, and that's our, it's in the red box. Uh, pro- it's probably our longest running br- micro brand within the Titleist family. Uh, been around since the 70s. And what I, I would call that kind of our entry level golf ball in that it's a good golf ball for a lot of folks and it comes in at a real nice price. You know, it's got a, a, a soft sterling cover and a real low compression, probably our lowest compression golf ball. Um, so it suits a lot of golfers, particularly, you know, the beginning golfer uh, looking to get into the game and get a play, a play a golf ball that, you know, has the Titleist brand name behind it. We talked about um, compression there for just a second. Let me, let me highlight that for those that are listening that may not understand compression. When you're saying it's a low compression golf ball, that just means that you don't have to have as much club head speed in order to compress it to get the ball to come off the face and to gain the distance that they're looking for. Uh, yes, and I think there's a, there's a certain amount of truth to that. I, I think um, you know, the industry gets a little confused in there. Um, but I, I think compression, it's more of a feel thing. Uh, what do you prefer to feel? Not necessarily, a, 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 there are some performance characteristics to it, but it's more of a feel thing. Um, we still find, the, you know, the harder we make the golf balls, the further they go from, for most people. Now, that's not to, to say if, if, uh, if Tiger Woods is hitting it versus I'm hitting it as a 60-year-old or as a, as a junior golfer or a, a senior golfer hitting it, um, you want to get the best feel but also the best performance out of it. So I wouldn't get too caught up in compression for most folks um, as much as what do you like to feel because honestly within – I'm going to name all of our different golf balls, but if you and I went out and played with them, under most conditions, the balls are all going to be within five or six yards distance of each other, depending on the golfer. Yeah, I just want to highlight on, on, the, uh, on the compression aspect of it. So I get that question a lot in the golf shop. But what's the compression of it? And I noticed over the years, compression has kind of took a back seat to other things in the golf ball industry and in the, in the construction of a golf ball. And the emphasis really didn't put as much on compression as it used to be. And some people get confused by that. When they think of compression, they think, okay, well, it has something to do with the distance I'm going to get. It does have a little bit to do with, with distance, but it's more feel than anything else. Exactly. And that was a, it was, it's, it's kind of an outdated term, honestly. Right. Uh, when, we, when we first used that term, you know, it was when we were using rubber bands to wrap golf balls and how tight were we wrapping them, you know? And, and so how, you know, what was the actual, what did it take to compress that golf ball? So again, with the changes of equipment, uh, both on the ball side and on the golf club side, uh, it's not a real big term that I would get, I would want to get too caught up on in determining what ball I use, uh, as much as, Hey, let me take out this one. Oh, you say this is a low compression. This is a high compression. Let me see what the difference is. And, and, and I always encourage people, you know, whether it's, you know, at night when the, the golf course is kind of cleared, you got a chance to go out and hit a couple shots here and there, whether it be a driver or a wedge or a chip 
and and just compare golf balls, you know, and and maybe start with the the furthest extremes of each golf ball, the hardest and the softest, or the highest performance or the highest price golf ball and the lowest price, and and just see what you know kind of suits your game. Right, I agree with that one hundred percent. Talk to me about velocity ball. That's been a really good golf ball for you guys. Yes, and it's and velocity has been a big hit for us. And it, honestly, it's got we make one claim on it. It's going to be a long golf ball for most golfers. It's a low, it's a relatively soft golf ball, but very low spinning. And whenever you go low spin, you're going to get. Uh, what some folks would call a hotter golf ball or a ball that's going to roll more. So for the average golfer, you know, unlike a tour player who compared, you know, 95% of his distance comes in the air, the average golfer, probably 60 or 70% of his distance is through the air. And then he counts and he or she counts on roll to get, you know, to get their full distance. Um, And so, you know, a lower spinning velocity golf ball for a lot of folks Again, depending on it's player dependent, um, depending on the golfer, we'll get a little more distance out of it in that they're going to get additional roll. Moving up kind of the food chain of the, of the golf balls for us, the, the tour, uh, I'm going to come back to tour speed, but uh, I'll jump up to AVX. Um, AVX is a golf ball we introduced about three seasons ago. And it is, I, ca- I like to call it the little brother of the Pro V and Pro V1X in that it does a lot of the same things. It's got the same cover material as Pro-V and similar constructions. Um, However, it's a little lower spinning and a little flatter trajectory. And again, talking about player dependent, if you're a a a golfer that that relies on roll more than carry, uh, you're gonna get a little more out of an AVX, particularly uh, slower swing speeds, who again, count on more roll. Uh, it is a urethane cover, so it's still got the high-performance spin and feel of a Pro-V and Pro-V1X, but just in a, a little softer compression and also a little lower spinning. The AVX ball is has really done well for us. I gave that golf ball away a sleeve during one of our member tournaments a couple of years ago, and the feedback I got from it was fantastic. Everybody seemed to really like that golf ball a lot. So you guys did a fantastic job with that golf ball introducing it to that that Pro V1 family of golf balls. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to your point earlier about what goes into making a golf ball, the more information, the more data, the more way we can measure things with launch monitors and so on and so forth. It it allows us to start really splitting hairs on golf balls. Cause I'll get the question while all the golf balls are the same or that ball is very similar to that. And, and there are, obviously there's a lot of similarities in all the golf balls, (laughs) but when you start really dialing it down and splitting it, okay, well, you know, uh, Steve, you and I might, might hit the ball the same distance off the tee typically, but we get there different ways. I might, I might be steeper and have more spin. You might be, have a more, uh, a better plane and launch the golf ball at a, a more optimal trajectory than I do. So everybody, you know, almost hitting a golf ball and you hear about launch conditions, which are, which are how high it comes off, how fast it comes off the club and how much spin it has. Well, everybody's is a little bit different. And so to achieve optimal, you know, we want to talk a lot about distance, but we'll, there's a lot more to a golf ball than just distance, but to achieve that optimal, you know, it, you've got to find the one that fits your game. And so to say what, what, uh, what, what you use or what I use uh, versus what the average golfers are using, everybody's a little different. 
Well, how about the Pro V1 and Pro V1X? Do we, are we going to see any differences in that golf ball in, in 2021? Yes. Uh, you know, we, we try to stick to a blueprint of keeping a golf ball for two years. Uh, we just feel like that's a good life cycle for a golf ball. It gets, it keeps it relatively simple, not too confusing for golfers, but yes. So 2021 will be the next generation of Pro V and Pro V1X. Um, they haven't told us a whole bunch about it. I'm going to my sales meeting next week and we'll really boil it down and get all the details. Um, but, but what I like to say to folks is, Hey, Pro V, Pro V1X, it's been the market leader for 20 years. It's, it's, it's one of the, one of the higher price golf balls, but it's still the market leader, uh, which is rare. Typically that's not the case. So the golf ball is doing great. Any refinements or fine tuning we do are going to be minimal. You know, I, I, the golf balls have evolved around each other. If, if you go back 20 years, when we first introduced both of them, they were pretty far apart. And, and one was a real, was a lower spinning golf ball and one was a higher spinning golf ball, but both that, but had some similarities. Now the golf balls, you know, the ball that was the low spinning off the driver, we've added spin to the wedges and the ball that was the higher spinning wedge club, we've taken it out on the driver and the golf balls are, have gotten a little closer together, but again, you know, it, it up to the individual golfer to go out and choose them. So uh, I, I, again, same thing there is when the new balls come out, I always encourage golfers and we're going to do a lot of sampling this year of the golf balls to get it into the hands of consumers and take them out side by side and, you know, hit your favorite wedge shot and hit your favorite seven iron and, and go to that par five where you, you, uh, you're going to hit your driver and, and test it. I'm glad to hear you say that because earlier in the podcast, I, I talked about how to choose the best golf ball for your game. And I mentioned that, you know, take them out to the golf course. Could be a slow time, could be your last tee time off of the day and, and just compare them and see how they feel coming off a driver or off a, a mid iron or off a wedge and even off the putter. That is the best way I feel to determine which ball you should go with. Uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful suggestion. Uh, you mentioned tour speed earlier. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So tour speed, is that was a new golf ball we introduced in 2020, which nothing was normal in 2020, as you know. Right. And so uh, don't, don't feel like it got its full launch potential. Uh, but we introduced it late summer uh, to the marketplace. And so it's, it's gonna, you're going to see kind of a reintroduction of that this coming spring. But tour speed uh, will be, for all intents and purposes, taking the place of a golf ball that's done very well for us, which was tour soft. We're going to run them simultaneous, you know, for the beginning of the year and then let the golfer determine uh, whether we keep the tour soft or not. But we've, we really firmly believe that tour speed is a much better golf ball in that it's a, it's a nice lower compression, soft golf ball for most golfers, but it's been upgraded to a urethane cover. And what that means is we've taken it from a soft surland to a urethane. It's going to give you a lot more reaction around the greens and on your short game that maybe you weren't getting you like the feel of the tour soft and you like the distance of it but you know you maybe left maybe been leaving a little something in the you know on the on the deck without having that urethane cover so uh, excited about that again you know we got really six main golf balls that we that we're promoting but you can start really dialing it into your game when you get the opportunity to test it. Um, I find the biggest mistake a lot of folks make is they go and get fit and on a launch monitor and they only look at one characteristic and that is distance off the driver. 
Right. And, and, and yes, we all get excited about distance off the driver. Sure. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I don't think anybody's going to see dramatic, dramatic differences off the driver from one golf ball to the other. You may see five or six or maybe 10 yards if you go from one extreme to the other within the lineup. But what I encourage folks to do, just like you were saying, is, and this is what we do on the tour, when we go out and we work with, with Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth, we say, let's start at the green, hit some putts. How do you like it? How's it sound? How's it feel coming off the putter? Okay, yeah, that's good. It's good. And then we move them to their, their short game area, you know, pitches, chips, high, high shots, low shots, and work their way back. You know, the easiest club, the easy adjustment we can make is the driver. The drivers are super adjustable nowadays where you can adjust loft, adjust weight, you know, positioning of the weight, length of the club and so on. So the big point we try to emphasize is, hey, a golf ball is probably the most important piece of equipment in your bag. And that has to be, you have to play it under every single shot and every single condition, whether it's windy, whether it's dry, whether it's soft. And so again, I, we encourage folks to, you know, take your time, start at the green or, and work your way back. And then we can dial in the, the driver if needed. Oh, that's great advice. You guys, of course, do golf ball fittings. And what I think is really cool, and I encourage the listeners to check this out, is you guys are doing a virtual golf ball consultation on the website. Go to their website. I'll give you that information a little bit later here in the interview where to find that. But really neat process that you can go through. As far as in-person fitting sessions, are you guys still doing that considering the pandemic that we're in? If not, do you know when you guys may start that back up if you, if you aren't doing it? You know, we're doing a, a certain amount. We're, we're, we're trying to hit more golfers uh, as fast as we can. And so I think that's what I mentioned earlier. We're going to be doing more sampling this year and get people out there. The, the website and the, the virtual online uh, fitting is a great educational piece that a person can go through and if nothing else, they're going to, it's going to peak interest in, well, I never thought about that or I never thought about my golf ball that way. Or yeah, I'm going to take that ball out and put it in this situation and see how it performs. But uh, one of the, the, the biggest part of fitting we're doing nowadays is we're doing our fitting, what we're just calling general fitting days where people are getting fit for golf clubs and golf balls while we're at it. And we're having our tech reps, uh, include that within the the, uh, the, the club fittings process to, because they should be included. You know, to, to fit a guy for a certain wedge or for a certain driver, not knowing what golf ball he or she uses, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be all that fruitful. So uh, I think you're going to see more and more of that. Uh, and, in, and in the future, I think uh, one of the big things you're seeing across all industries is bringing the golfer closer to the company and getting them, getting more in touch with them through the internet and, and just uh, educating them and having them educate us. Julian, you mentioned the drivers earlier. You guys debuted the newest driver, the TSI two and the TSI three. They're creating a lot of buzz and could quite possibly be the best drivers Titleist has ever produced. What makes these drivers perform so well compared to previous generations? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question, Steve. We, we um, you know, we've been really going hard with the 
the driver business probably for the you know since the mid 2000s when we we debuted our 975 that was our first major win was with davis love at the at the wing at wingfoot in the pga but uh the new drivers we we learn something every time we introduce a new driver this one in particular uh we've entered an agreement with a company called allegheny technology and they're a specialty metals company out of pittsburgh and we have an exclusive offering with them of a new titanium alloy insert. You know, basically we've all been using the same titanium, just use, varying the thickness of it over the past 25 years in driver technology. However, with this new alloy, ATI 425 it is, it allows us to make the face thin yet flexible across the face. Um, you know, everybody, like I mentioned earlier, Callaway's got good drivers. TaylorMade has good drivers. There's a lot of good drivers out there. Ping as well. Um, and we're all trying to get to, you know, we all have a, a hot spot in there, the middle of the club, obviously the sweet spot, but the more we can expand that and make it across the face. So for those of us that do hit it off center occasionally, we don't lose anything. As, as you know, being as good a golfer as you are, Steve, if you hit it on the heel or you hit it on the toe, you're going to lose some distance typically as opposed to hitting in the middle. And with this new insert technology, we can take it across the face and give you a consistency throughout. Both drivers are um, the TS2 and 3 that you mentioned are, are what we're known for. Both are, are much more forgiving than even just one or two generations ago. Now, another thing that's interesting for us, and, and as you know, Titleist has always had a strong following on tour and strong following among you know, lower handicappers. However, with the introduction of a TS1 and a TS4, so now we have TSI one, two, three, and four, and that covers the whole spectrum of golfers. And just not to give you too many details, but TSI one is a super, super lightweight version of the TS two or three with different weighting to help slower swing speeds, swing the club faster and get the ball airborne, which is what we're all after. Sure. Obviously. Uh, and so it, it opens us up again to a wider audience. I think, there for years, a lot of folks, when they thought of Titleist, they thought of low handicappers. And with the different golf balls we've talked about, and now with the, the equipment we're talking about, we've got products for, for all levels of golfers. Well, it's hard to believe that Titleist was formed back in 1930. Uh, the company has obviously a long and successful history in golf. In your opinion, what does the future of the company look like and how will Titleist continue to influence the golf world and entice golfers to purchase your product? Well, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm as optimistic as I've ever been about, about the brand right this minute as we sit talking about, you know, the lineup of the golf balls is strong. The Pro-V and Pro-V1 are strong across worldwide tours. It's not un, uh, uncommon that week in and week out will be the most played driver, wedges, putter, iron, and golf ball at an event. So that when you go to, we go to Hawaii here in two weeks, we may have the, the most people using our products across the board, which is kind of unprecedented. You know, usually you have a company that's a good at drivers, another one's good at irons, another one's good at golf balls, but we've got it pretty strong across all categories. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. I'm optimistic about the, the, the kind of the mini boom that we saw this year with, with this crazy year we had. 
as you saw, your tea sheet was filled up from, from sun up to sundown. <laughs> and sure. so feel like a lot of golfers are coming back to the game, you know, whether it be an entry level or, or a guy or a gal that played a lot of golf, but kind of got busy with family or got busy with kids and, uh, and now is coming back to the game. So that, that's great. As far as what I see with the company, as we mentioned earlier, customization, everything's customized. And so that every club is made specifically for you as a golfer's individual needs. You know, and again, as I mentioned, everybody come, goes about it and hits the ball a little different than others. Uh, they may end up in the same distance down the fairway or the closest to the pin. However, we, we all get there a different way. And if we can maximize what works best for each golfer, they're going to enjoy the game more. They're going to play more golf and, and uh, spend more time at Willow Creek, right? Absolutely. That's what we want, right? <laughs> That's right. I want to encourage the listeners to go to the website. It's really easy. It's Titleist.com. You can learn more about that virtual golf ball consultation that we mentioned earlier. You can read detailed descriptions of every golf ball that Julian talked about. Check out the fantastic gear that they have. We didn't really get to talk a lot about that, but wonderful golf bags, headwear, accessories, some of the best in the business. Read more about the wonderful golf equipment that Julian was talking about and so much more. Highly encourage you to go check that out. Also, you can see who's playing the product on the tour and, uh, and be looking for it when you watch it on television. Julian, I cannot thank you enough for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm extremely excited about the current line of Tyler's products and to see where the company goes from here. Oh, thanks you. Thank you so much for calling. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon and uh, looking forward to a more normal 2021 in, uh, in the world and the golf business. Same here. Same here. Thank you so much, Julian. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap on episode number 12. Thank you again very much for pushing that play button, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, your dedication, your loyalty, your support of this podcast is tremendously appreciated. Thank you very much. I'm going to encourage you that if you've learned something new, take a screenshot of this podcast, post it on your social media page, tag me in it, and in doing so, that can really help grow the community like I mentioned earlier in the show. It will tell more people about the podcast, possibly grow the game because someone may see it, click the play button, become intrigued with a game of golf and start playing. And it may also help those out there that are looking for help in their game and make a positive difference in their life as well. So after this podcast, I hope you are more knowledgeable, feel a little more confident on how to go out and pick your own golf ball. Also, you understand the differences between forged and cast irons, and maybe you can kind of contemplate and make a better decision as to which irons you're going to invest in on your next purchase. And also, I hope you're as excited as I am about what's going to take place with Titleist Golf in the year 2021. Episode number 13 will drop next month, the month of February. That is the start of season number two, the one-year anniversary of Go Forth and Golf podcast. I'll have as my guest next month, Josh Venters. He is the Callaway representative. He was my very first guest in episode number one. And I thought, you know what, it'd be fitting to have him back on the one-year anniversary show. So Josh is going to come on the show and talk about everything going on with Callaway Golf for the year 2021. So excited to have Josh back on the show and find out all the cool things that are going to be happening with Callaway this year. Until the next episode, I hope you hit more fairways. Hope your greens and regulation go up. I hope you have fewer putts. 
And most of all, I hope you have a good time out there on the golf course. And remember, do something nice for somebody today. It doesn't take a whole lot to do something nice for someone. Go out of your way to do that today. Thank you very much. And remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game. You've been listening to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to receive alerts on new episodes. For more information, please follow us on social media at Go Forth Golf Instruction or visit our website at GoForthGolfInstruction.com. Remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game.